Welcome to the Sports and Stilettos podcast. Hello, everyone. I hope everybody is staying safe and staying healthy during this time of quarantine. Hopefully, you're all able to stay home. That way, we can fight this and get back to our daily lives and to having sports on the TVs. I know all of you are missing sports just as much as I am. Today's guest, our very first guest on the podcast, is Jordan Angeli. Jordan and I met during the WAC Men's Soccer Tournament two years ago. She did play-by-play for the tournament, and I have learned so much from her over the past two years. It's crazy just how much she's grown. Her new gig is with Columbus Crew SC, an MLS team here in the States, and she is the first full-time female TV analyst for the crew. I'm so happy for her in this new gig, and we talk a little bit about how she's making content for Columbus during this time of quarantine while she's back here in Denver, as well as her life in quarantine, what she's been up to, plus her gig with the Colorado Rapids, what she was doing before she went out to Columbus. It was really fun to sit down and talk with Jordan and hear her side of a lot of the stories. So this will be part one of two of our talk with Jordan, so I hope you enjoy the first episode of our podcast. Here's Jordan Angeli. Welcome, Jordan. You are the first guest for the Sports and Stilettos podcast, so thank you so much for taking some time out. I'm really happy that you're able to do it. Oh my gosh, Rachel, I didn't realize I was the first guest. First guest. Let's start off with a bang. Hopefully, I have some good answers for you. (laughs) Yes, I'm so happy. I was like, what women in this industry do I know really well that I can really get in-depth conversations going? And you were the first person that came to mind, so I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited for this. And it's been cool, I think, for both of us over the last few years just to watch each other grow and uh, support each other in whatever way we can as we do grow in this industry. So it's cool to see you stepping up and doing something different, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you saw me back when I was like a baby, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) You're still a baby. What are you talking about? (laughs) I know. Two years in, but I've learned so much already. Which is crazy Uh because, you know, you kind of get out of college and you expect to just be ready to go. And I now understand why people say, like, go to a small market because you're going to mess up. I feel like when you get out of college, you almost have, like, a false sense of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Which sounds bad, but you do. And then you get into, like, an actual job and you realize just how much you have to grow. I think you took a really good job, too, because it does challenge you in a way – that you're covering all different sports and you're having to think about content and uh, wording, how wording is different in different sports too. You know, you don't call a goalkeeper a goalkeeper in hockey. It's a goaltender. I know you don't cover hockey in whack, but like just thinking about different ways to uh, get your point across using the correct lingo. Like I feel like you really did a good job of finding something that allowed you a lot of growth even in these first couple of years. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, even with the Rapids, now that I'm like their in-stadium host match, for some reason, <laughs> it just like right? always throws me off because I'm so used to saying game. Yeah, we call yeah. soccer in the whack, And like I have to constantly remind myself, I'm like match, 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 match. Yeah, <laughs> but it is. Soccer has some funny things like match versus game, pitch versus field. Yep. Like I honestly go back and forth. I say them all. So like... I get that they're like we want to stay true to the game, but at the same time, like the game is a little bit different here in the U.S. And totally agree. Um, it's nice to know that you do. So that, don't that get too. <laughs> yeah, don't get too hard on yourself. I think sometimes we get so caught up in like these little tiny details that it's like at the end of the day it's not that big of a deal you'll just do it better the next time, right? Like it's just all learning moments. That's true. Do you feel like you're still learning every single day? Oh, every day all the time. 
um, right now, well, we're all learning right now, but just trying to figure out ways to do my job when I don't have players to talk to or sit with. And, um, you know, one of the things that's interesting in MLS is that in order to request a player, you know, that it just, it is different in regards to like, you can only have a certain amount of player requests. So it's not like I can do all the things that I want to do. And I'm just like, well, they're just at home, you know, they're, they're like us they're at home. They're not doing anything. And it's like, well, we also can't demand so much out of the players, even if it's a small ask, it's still an ask. So just trying to adapt and learn. And, um, but even when I'm calling games, oh my gosh, I learn so much, uh, all the time, all the time. Is this your dream job? Is this what you wanted to do? My dream job, so yeah, I, I wanted to be in soccer. Once I kind of pivoted and, and knew that my playing career wasn't going to be, uh, it wasn't going to last forever. Shocker, right? Um, as an, a professional athlete, your career doesn't last forever. <laughs> yeah. um, once I figured that out, I knew that sports uh, reporting and broadcasting was really going to be my jam. And I knew that I wanted to talk about why things happened, right? Like I um, have done a lot of different things. I've been, you know, a sideline reporter a little bit. I've been a host. I have been a play-by-play. Probably the second most stuff I've done is a play-by-play. But then I've been an analyst for about eight years now. And I really enjoy the um, analyst role or, or the co-com role is what it can be called too because I just I think it's interesting from a player's point of view to just come at the game and be able to describe like all the options and all the things that needed to go right in order for that to work and why a pass is so important and uh, so special. So yeah, this has been a real dream that I get to talk about the game on a weekly basis and uh, work for a, a great club in MLS. But I, my ultimate, ultimate goal is to be, I don't know how much soccer you watch or how many, how much soccer people watch um, that are going to be listening, but there's a show on the weekends on NBC sports and it's all about the English premier league and it's called EPL mornings and Rebecca Lowe. Yeah. And Rebecca Lowe is the host of that. And she's just like the boss queen. Like she's amazing. Uh, She makes everything look easy, but she hosts that show and she has just been so intertwined in the game there for so long that she can host it really well. And that's kind of what I hope and dream happens eventually here in the United States is I host a show exactly like uh, the Premier League morning, but at the evening because it's, you know, the time, the, the shows there in the morning because they're from England, but our show would be in the evening, like Saturdays, Sundays, And I would host that show where we kind of like bounce around MLS talking about different storylines, different matches that have already happened. But then we have like a couple of games that we are targeting on and leading into and coming out of and uh, hosting that from not only a player's perspective, but having this wealth of knowledge that I've accumulated in broadcasting up until then. You're doing a lot right now for Columbus. Uh, I saw on Twitter that you were doing play overviews for goals. And I think Mm -hmm. that you've done a great job of like describing them. You know, somebody who I grew up playing soccer, but I didn't really follow it all the way through up until I started working for the WAC. And I was like, I need to get more into this because it is becoming so huge in the United States right now. MLS is, I think, just taking off. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so it's been nice to be able to watch those. 
because I kind of get in a player mindset and I'm like, oh yeah, like I do remember certain aspects of playing, but then I watch what you're doing and I'm like, oh yeah, like I see how this is forming and I see how even if there's a turnover on the ball, like how this affects this and this and this. And so I think you've done a great job doing that. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I, I wanted to make it something because I think there is this real crazy juxtaposition in Major League Soccer and within soccer uh, in the United States as well, because there are people who know the game really, really, really well, right? And then there are people who, like you and like a lot of people our age, grew up playing the game, but don't like know the nuances of things. So like, I want to speak to both audiences. I want to speak to like people who might not understand this technical term that I'm, I'm speaking of, but also speak to the people who've been watching games forever and make sure that they feel like they're getting content that is interesting to them as well. So I, I've had a really good time with those breakdowns and showing people just defensive shape and uh, attacking structure and how there's so many things that have to go right in a buildup in order for a goal to happen. And I think it's cool to account for those and to really break it down a little bit more. Plus, I mean, it's content you can do from your home since we're all dealing with this quarantine going on right now. (laughs) How have you been doing? I've been all right. You know, I, right when it happened, I came to my parents' house. I came back home to Colorado actually, because Uh, It's a lot. You know, these past two months for me have been a lot emotionally, a lot mentally to move uh, from my home to a new place that I don't really know that well and to be all on my own there. It just felt like if I was going to be there by myself, it would have been too much. So right away, I... um, A couple days after MLS put the initial 30-day delay in the season, I came home just because I knew I can always get back there if I need to get back there in one way or another. And um, I just knew that I would need to need my family right now. So I've been doing all right. You know, I think I think it's been really interesting. And Rachel, maybe you feel the same way. I It makes us have to think differently and to totally. figure out and adapt. And I think we're going to come out of this in so many ways that we wouldn't have been able to if it weren't for something like this, where we have found new ways to create content and found a a better appreciation for relationships and interpersonal uh, connections. And, but there's going to be so many adaptations to the way that we can now do interviews and contact people because we've had to figure it out, right? As media Mm -hmm. members, we just have to figure it out. So What have you found has been a good way for you to continue to work on some of the stuff that you've been doing? You know, luckily with it being collegiate sports, Instagram is a huge part of their lives. And I mean, a huge Mm -hmm. part of all of our lives, I would say. So we are actually doing some Instagram lives. I have one set up tomorrow with Trevelyn Queen, who's a New Mexico State basketball player. So it'll be nice to kind of hear his side of like, I mean, they didn't get to play at all in the WAC tournament, so it'll be nice to hear, like, how he found out about the news, what they ended up doing, how long they stayed in Vegas, so I'm really excited for that, and then we also started up a WAC podcast, which actually gave me the idea and the motivation to start this one. Uh, I enjoyed doing it so much, and I was only on the air for, like, 10 minutes. Uh, Eric's kind of being – Eric, my boss, is kind of being the main man for it, Uh, but I enjoyed doing it so much, and I had always had this idea in the back of my head, and I figured this was the perfect time to start, so – I'm definitely, yeah, right. It's definitely been a learning curve. You're right. I mean, 
I work for like maybe an hour a day, which is hard when you really love your job and love talking sports. Uh It's hard to not do it. Uh It's hard not to turn on ESPN and watch a game and have that like competitive feeling going on. I'm actually excited for the 2K matchups that the NBA is doing because we don't know the result of any of the games. So it'll be fun to watch those for a little bit just because there's nothing else really to watch besides old replays. And then you know how those all go. Yeah, I totally agree. It feels it feels strange that there's just nothing to watch even in the sports world. Like even when we're in the off season, like for me in particular, when I'm in MLS off season, like I can turn on, you know, Premier League mornings and watch games from England or games from Germany, or I can watch a basketball game, a hockey game, whatever it may be. And that feels really weird. And, um, but it also, I, I am finding myself really trying to just do something different. Like I think this breakdown stuff that I'm doing with the Columbus crew, it's something that I wanted to do in a different way during season. And I think I'll now have this kind of roundabout way of knowing how to work these breakdowns with a player involved as we go through the season, you know, whenever that may start up. So Uh, just adapting and also using the time to continue to work on stuff that I have going with my company, the ACL club and my podcast there. But um, it's cool to start new things too. Right. And it's cool that you have started this and are like, okay, now's the time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You just mentioned your podcast, the show you the scars, which the ACL club uh, that's like, so you tore, tore your ACL three times, right? I want to make sure I have all the details. I correct. did. Three yes, times. And you so got that right. Now you are telling the stories of other athletes who tore their ACLs, right? I am. And eventually I – and I have already done this a little bit – is I think scars are, are universal, right? We've all, we all have some sort of scar, whether it's physically on the outside of our body. It could be a mental scar, an emotional scar, Um but I think I used it at the when I first started it. I think I'm about 90 episodes in now, That's awesome. and um, thank you. It's been really cool telling these ACL stories. But I've also found that I really enjoy just scar stories. You know, like people telling no matter what it is, telling how they've gotten over something that's been difficult in their life and adapted. So one of the things I want to do is to continue to create something that's maybe bigger than the ACL club and it's more more athletes can feel like they're involved in this show your scars podcast than just ACL um, athletes so um, but at the end of the day the lessons we learn when we go through hardship and we go through a big injury especially as athletes it can be very similar Um, so that's kind of what I want to adapt the show your scars podcast to in this kind of um, time where we have the ability to adapt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can just continue growing it in this time. Mm-hmm, and I feel like mm-hmm. that shows that you're really a compassionate person because everybody has scars, right? Even mm. if you're not an athlete, if your father had passed away or your mom passed away at some point, like that's still a scar that you have. And I think we all do a great job of connecting with other people when we feel that way. Yeah, uh, exactly. And and I want people to know that like scars make us feel like the similarity if I just talk to ACL club the similarity in ACL scars makes you feel like right away like I know a little bit about that person's story and one of the things I started to realize in my own journey when I was going through my ACL rehabs is uh, people would come up to me and ask me you know like how'd you get through it like what's some advice can you talk to this person they just tore their ACL this and that 
And it made me made me stronger each time I told my story that, okay, I did get through this. This is the things that I did and look at me now. And uh, I think we sometimes in the midst of struggle, doubt how powerful we can really be and what strength you really have inside of us. And telling your story can remind you like, I can get through this. I've done it before. I'll do it again. And so I, I really want people to show their scars as a symbol of like sharing their strength and sharing not only their strength with somebody else, but remembering how strong they are as well. Also sharing that not everybody's journey is the same either. Some person may totally. have done it one time and you've done it three times, but that doesn't like make a difference in the actual scar mm -mm. that's being formed. Yeah. Pain is pain and everybody's story is unique. And it's not worth comparing one to the other. It's it's just saying like, hey, we understand and we get that you felt this and this. And what would you do to help yourself get out of that? Or what book did you read? Or did you pick up a different passion of playing the guitar? Or you focused on photography? Like the things that people do uh, to cope, I think are really interesting and I think are helpful because as an athlete, especially if you lose your ability to be an athlete for a time being, you feel a little bit lost and a little bit like um, your identity is gone. And I, I want to encourage people that you're so much more than that. So I think that that's a really good way of doing it is listening to how other people dealt with it and maybe having some self-reflection in that time as to how you can get better as well. I think that same pathway kind of goes for broadcasting too. There are so many avenues that you can take to get where you end up wanting to be. Your pathway is not really a traditional pathway. You didn't go into local news or do anything like that. You ended up obviously playing and then you went on to work with the Rapids, right? Yeah, I did. I didn't work for the Rapids until about, gosh, three or four years into my broadcasting career. Um, because my career is a little bit different. I, I started when I was in my third ACL recovery and didn't really know if I was going to continue to play soccer anymore, but I knew I wanted to stay in the game. So I initially started out with a, a kind of a makeshift uh, internship with Altitude TV. And I worked with Todd Romero, who to this day, I'm still thankful for the time he spent with me. Um, he was the new play-by-play -play -play guy for the Colorado Rapids. And uh, the Rapids really wanted me to be their sideline reporter because uh, they kind of, at that time, were going through a, a circle of different play people that they would put on the sideline, a new person really at every Rapids game. And so the Rapids really wanted someone specific for them, an altitude, um, wanted me to be that, but I, they just couldn't hire me due to some financial stuff. So that first internship really allowed me to then have the confidence to say, okay, I really like this and I like what, what this could be. And it keeps me in sports, but I've also always had this like, this like desire for acting and this fire that burns inside of me that I like love being in front of the camera. So I knew this was kind of the combination of both things. And, um, so from that internship and kind of during that internship, I started working with, it was called CSPN and it was Colorado sports for, um, all different high school sports. And, David Roth, actually, who you know, mm -hmm. he uh, he was in charge of that, and he hired me for my first few games, and I called high school soccer games in Colorado as I like was rehabbing my my knee, and so I from did there, not know that I didn't know yeah. that you called Colorado soccer. That's crazy. Yeah, high school soccer games is really where I started as an analyst, and 
from there, it was just like a hustle, Rachel. And you know that, like, Mm -hmm. um, I was continuing to play. So what had happened in that year that I started broadcasting is the, there was no professional soccer league. It was in between the WPS and NWSL. And so I was rehabbing my, my last ACL with no real intention to like play soccer anymore, but also saying like, I want to be the best version of myself that I can be during rehab. So I was pushing myself still. Um, but then the following year, the NWSL came about and I got, I ended up getting picked up, um, unable to compete in that first season of NWSL, but then it kind of sparked me. Okay. Like if someone drafted me, they obviously believed me enough that I can play. So in that, that second year, I, um, was training and trying to play professionally again, but also I had, picked up the phone and I was calling everyone. Like I was still calling high school soccer games in the spring, but then in the fall I called DU, I called CU and I said, Hey, do you guys have a webcast? Can I work on your webcast? Like, can I call games? Um, didn't care if I got paid. Like I was, I wanted to get better at this. And, um, it's really funny you mentioned that and I don't mean to cut you off, but no, that's fine. I feel like so many people always ask me, they're like, so how much money do you make? And like, Mm. I don't even think about that. Like, yes, it would be so nice to make six figures one day and like live the dream, whatever. But like, I just love what I do that I don't care how much money I make. I was in the exact same boat as you. I was doing internships and I was like, don't worry about paying me. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want to be here. I just want to get the experience. Uh, And I feel like people not in sports don't quite understand that sometimes. But it really is just like a passion and a grind, like you mentioned. Yeah, I I don't know if it's from sports, like playing sports growing up that gave me this like I've, I've always thought of the long game and I know that every single thing I do is not to make me get what I want tomorrow. Like I know that it's like when I, when the time is right, like I'm going to get there. And these are all like little building blocks. Like they're little Legos that go on top of each other. And like when you put a couple together, it doesn't really make sense. But then when you get and you consistently put in the work, like it, it starts to make sense. And I, I've always known that with whatever I do, you know, I, I just don't like, don't get me wrong. I get frustrated, right. When I don't get a job or I get frustrated when I feel like I've put in all the work and it doesn't seem to work out. But I also know that it's a long game and I'm going to, I'm going to, if I do what feels right to me, regardless of the pay mm-hmm. that I knew I was going to find a way to continue to do what I, I loved doing. And so, yeah, I didn't get paid for those webcasts and you know, it led to the next year, like getting a little bit of money. And then it led to my first game on Pac-12 network. And then it led to my first game on SEC network. And from there, it was just like year after year, I, I kept calling and I kept doing this and I reached out and I was persistent and I did this and I did this. And, um, persistence can feel a lot like annoyance when you're the one writing the emails and calling and saying like, Hey, just checking in. Um, you feel a little annoying, Mm -hmm. but I also, I started to understand that like, people are busy, right? We're all busy. And just because I don't get back to someone doesn't mean I am annoyed by them. It means like I just didn't get time to get back to them. So I would rather have someone write back to me and be like, hey, just seeing if you have any games like following up on this than for them to just think like I'm annoyed with them. So I just feel like persistence is a really big thing in this industry. If you're going to make it, you just have to be persistent. And almost to the, the fact that or almost to the point where you feel like you're annoying someone. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. It's okay to feel that way because eventually they'll say like, no, we don't have anything or they'll lead you in the direction that you need to go. So, um, that's true. Yeah. No answer is not an answer. Right. So that kind of led me eventually to working for the Rapids as an in-stadium host. 
And um, that was when I was finally done with my playing career. And so I knew I was going to be home. I had lived in Alabama and worked for the University of Alabama doing some social content for their soccer team down there. And I moved back officially to Colorado in um, 2016, I believe. Yep, 2016. And from there, I um, yeah worked all the home games. And um, the first year, I was just an in-stadium host. And then the second year, Connor McGahee was the radio guy for the Rapids at the time. And he just did the, the show solo. And I know Connor, um, his wife was actually my, my high school soccer coach. And so <laughs> I, I've known him. And he's refed, he refed some of my games when I was playing. So we've known each other uh, like, you know, separately for a while. But he was like, why don't you just come and call the games with me? You're here anyways. And I was like, really? Okay, cool. So I did the full first year with the Colorado Rapids, a major league soccer team on the radio, and I didn't get paid. And I was like, (laughs) I don't care. Like, like you said, like, I didn't care. I knew that calling any games in MLS was going to help me get to where I wanted to go. Um, And either I was going to sit on the, the field and watch the game and not, not talk about it, or I could talk about it with Connor, who is, um, my favorite, person to talk soccer with, you know, like he, he just makes it so much fun. So, um, yeah. And from there it just kind of escalated and then they brought me on and paid me the second year. And then last year they traveled me. So I went to every away game as well as did every home game. So, um, it's just kind of grown and, you know, take opportunities and ask for what you think you want. And even if you hear no, it, at least you asked, you know, so I just kept asking and, um, bringing up ideas. And I had a really, you know, I'm so thankful for my time at the Rapids because they did allow me to blossom, uh, not only as a person that calls games, but it allowed me to do a lot of hosting stuff, which was so much fun. I just love talking soccer and I just had a, a great time with the team there. I, was, I did my first match uh, mm-hmm. before all this quarantine started because now I'm the in-stadium host, which yeah, Jordan, I know you put in a word. So thank you so much. That was so nice of you. Oh, uh, of it was so much fun though. And I'm like so bummed that I don't know when I could possibly be going back. You know, I have all these ideas that I've been talking about and they're like, hold on to those ideas because we don't know what's happening. I'm like, I totally get it. I just don't want to lose the train of thought. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but since you worked with the Rapids and you know them so well, I kind of want to ask you about some of the players. Ooh, uh, who okay. would you say is the funniest player on the team? Oh, Sam Nicholson for sure. <laughs> How come? Sam Nicholson and Jack Price together are like two of the funniest dudes. Um, they just, I don't know. like Just their they, energy? Yeah. They just make me crack up like – I did an interview last year with them in preseason and they were telling me they were roommates in preseason and they would sing songs like that was their pastime (laughs) as they'd like pick songs and sing them. And I got them singing Uptown Girl on the (laughs) on the uh, interview, which was really it just made my made my trip to. Chula Vista that much better. Oh my so you're going to have to go watch that. (laughs) I will. I will definitely go look for it. Uh, (laughs) Who's been the best interview that you've ever done or is that it? Uh, the best interview. That was really that was a really fun interview. I really enjoyed my first interview with Robin Fraser, the mm-hmm. head coach, um, just because for me it was almost like this full circle moment because I used to watch him play at Old Mile High Stadium for the Colorado Rapids when he was a member of the team back in the day. Like, mm-hmm. and so and he coached like I knew him as a coach, kind of. He ne- he never coached me, but um, just to be able to like sit there and 
feel like this mutual respect for one another. I really appreciated that from him because it can be intimidating um, sometimes as a woman in an in, in a sport where I think soccer might be a little bit different, but um, you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't play in MLS, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that whenever somebody shows me that respect, it just makes the interview feel so much better. And, um, I really appreciated that as far as players go. Um, I, I really like talking to a lot of the guys. And I think one of the things that was most beneficial was me traveling with them and just them being around the team as much as possible and them feeling comfortable with me and knowing that like, I'm for them, right? Like I'm, I never am out there to, as a person that works for the team, like I want them to look good. And also like, um, and not that I wouldn't challenge them with questions, but like that I was there to help them get their point across. So I don't know, there's a lot of good, uh, a lot of guys that were fun to interview, but I mean, it's hard to say that Tim Howard isn't the best person to interview because what a legend. What a legend, actually. What a legend. Uh, and then I guess one more for the Rapids. What was the craziest moment for you as a host? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So two years ago during the Men's World Cup, we w- we did these uh, live streams during specific World Cup matches. And so we were down at the English Bulldog, which is like, I don't know the cross streets, Broadway and Larimer or something, but it was on Broadway. And basically they set up this barricade that went into one of whatever the side street is, not Broadway, but Larimer or Lawrence or whatever the side street is. So they put set up a barricade and we set everything up in, in the actual street. And we were in the street. Like there were times where I'd be talking and interviewing like Cole Bassett or I'm trying to think of who else was there at the time. I think Bobby Burling came over and and hung out with us. And there would be an RTD bus like looking as if it was going to come straight at us. And I'm like, okay, like you got to keep your cool. Don't make it look obvious that you're going to get hit by a bus. Um, So that I feel like was the most um, uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's i i honestly can't even imagine and there's oh so gosh. much i feel like people too not in the sports broadcasting world don't understand that like there can be so much going on around you and you have to just like keep your focus and keep yeah. going doing what you're doing and just like pray nothing happens for yeah. i didn't tell you this actually jordan uh my first hit with the rapids a ball came and hit the cameraman and oh, he gosh. like almost drops the camera and I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. And I just like came back and I was like, well, obviously the players, like I made some yeah. joke about it, but yeah, it was so funny. And I was just like, of course this would happen on like the very first hit. You're oh, already yeah. kind of nervous. But, but at the same time, don't you feel Rachel, like it's kind of a blessing when those things happen because it connects you with the audience in a way that you're just like, I'm just a normal person. Like I'm, I'm no different than you. Like, um, because even when I'm telling you that story about the bus, like I remember one time I did say like, I just felt like a bus was going to come through the barricade and hit us. And like, (laughs) I I think people seeing the expression and making it you feel more like you and like expressing your true emotions in certain situations can allow you to just sink into your own skin too, which is sometimes difficult in front of the camera. I totally agree. And honestly, after that happened, like I felt like all my nerves just disappeared. And I was like, you know, I'm like here, we're just talking like, <laughs> right. you know, you can work yourself up so hard. As I mentioned in the open, this is part one of two with Jordan, 
we had such an in-depth conversation that I wanted to make sure I featured all the topics we covered, so I'm splitting it up into two parts. I asked everyone on social media if they preferred 30 minutes or an hour-long podcast somewhere in between two. A lot of people said 30 minutes, so we're going to split this up into two 30-minute episodes, so be on the lookout for Jordan's part two just in a couple of weeks. I hope you all enjoyed this first episode. Let me know who else you want to hear on the Sports and Stilettos podcast. I will also leave all of Jordan's information down in the description bar below. I hope everyone stays safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next Friday.